be nerds i'm your host Stephen j and today i am joined by three of the best guest hosts around lizette gordon and michi how are you guys doing i'm doing pretty good steve how are you fantastic I'm, I'm doing good too Just trying to stay awake but all is good these late night recordings they'll do it to you yeah michi how are you not too bad, Steve. You know, just living. First time back in a while. Glad to have you back in, on the panel. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> we're talking crap about you in the last yeah, recording don't, session. Just don't, don't listen to the last episode. You'll be fine. Um, <laughs> it's not the last episode, but the last recording when it eventually goes up. Whatever, you know. Yeah, just don't listen to it. Personalities is not important. But the holidays, okay. Um, so we are in the middle of spooky season, my guys and gals. How's everybody's, you know, we're midway through October at the time of recording. So, like, how's everyone's spooky season going? I mean, there's definitely been some interesting things, like what we were all talking about earlier, but that's not uh, necessarily podcast appropriate. <laughs> no. That is true. I mean, being food service and retail workers, we, uh, we're on the front lines of some of the spooky bullshit. That's, yeah. yeah. Um, so we kind of moved some episodes around to include the last episode that we, one of the episodes we released was the ghost stories episode. And we try to, we kind of got an idea to make some creepy content for the month of October. So this episode is part of that. And I guess you could say this is our first, so we've done multiple multi-topics. I guess this is our first spooky multi-topic, right? Is that like now? That's exactly be... what I haven't named my draft right now. Okay. I was going to say, is that going to be like maybe an annual thing? I'm here for it. I like it. So essentially today we've all um, brought something to the table that's of a spooky nature. And of course, you guys know me. Mine's kind of consp- I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'll own it. Mine's like spooky conspiracy again. So we're you're getting like multiple themes with mine. Demetrius, you, you really haven't, you know, we were lucky enough for you to grace us with your presence. So you're kind of just here in a position to react to the creepiness. And that's okay. We, I want to hear your take on, you know, the things that we're presenting. Sounds good to me. Okay. <laughs> he just doesn't care. As long as he... Can keep playing his video games while we talk. That's all he cares about. And get an episode credit and get me and you off of his back. That's all he cares about. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I never said that. That's kind of what it is, bud. You didn't have to say it, though. What? Oh, <laughs> sorry. I mean, this is true. It is good oh. to have you back, Michi. I have missed you. Yeah. We all miss Michi. All right, so without further ado, let's dive into this spooky multi-topic. Lizette, I want to hear what you have because your idea came from an original idea we had that we couldn't quite 
gel with, but you, like Gordon and I essentially couldn't come up with something related to this, but you have one that I think is going to be pretty interesting. So lay it on us. All right. So the original episode topic that we were going to do before this turned into multi-topic, um, spooky multi-topic was we were each supposed to find a creepypasta that we liked and we were going to tell them to each other. Um, so I had managed to find one. You guys were struggling with it, which I totally understand because I was struggling with it too until I came across this one, um, which had actually been told to me. Well, let me see if I can get my time frames right. Probably like six or seven years ago, if not a little bit longer than that. Um, so somewhere in that vicinity. Mm-hmm. So when it was originally told to me, I didn't realize it was a creepy pasta. The way that the person told it to me, like I knew that it wasn't entirely true, but the way they framed it, I thought that parts of it had actually happened. Now this is partially because I am a, I will admit it, I'm a gullible person. <laughs> I'm extremely trusting. So anyway, um, part of why this story resonated with me was because I'll set the scene for you guys a little bit before I tell you the actual story. We were having like a camp out style thing at my grandmother's house. We had um, some of our parents had set up two campers and we had girls in one boys in the other and it was cousins and a couple friends. And um, my grandparents were asleep in the house. So it was really just like the kids camping out in the yard and um, before we actually went to sleep, like we had played manhunt out in the dark and just had a good time. We all kind of converged in one camper. And one of our friends was like, all right, I'm going to tell you guys spooky stories. So he was looking them up on his phone and reading them to us. And one of the other people who was there um, was actually Drew. So our friend who was reading reading the story his name was johnny so johnny was reading drew was doing sound effects um and at one point in this story you know i'll I'll start telling you the story and then when i get to that part i'll explain what he did um so we had banished the two youngest cousins off to the other camper because we knew that they would get scared and have nightmares and we'd get in trouble with the parents if they listened to these stories so we're like um, Jake and Jared, go sleep in the other camper. You're not allowed to listen to stories. With <laughs> um, so Johnny pulled up this story and it was said, I'm, I'm not going to say the title of it, but I'll give you guys the rundown of um, like the summary of the story. The person who was narrating it was claiming to have been an intern for Nickelodeon Studios when they were um, working on one of the seasons of SpongeBob. And they were talking about how, as an intern, they got to view some of the episodes before they actually aired and give feedback and whatnot. And this one day, um, they all sat down to watch this one episode, and it was focused around Squidward. And just from the moment that it started, something just kind of fell off. But everybody was really tired. Everybody had been working real hard, so they didn't think much of it. Um the episode started with Squidward playing his clarinet or some something, mm-hmm. just kind of like normal SpongeBob stuff. And then he started acting kind of weird. Like he was acting really sad. He was crying a lot through the episode. 
at one point it cuts to him um, having a concert, playing his clarinet, clarinet up on stage. And the audience just starts booing him and being really nasty. And they talk about how when the camera or like when the when it cut to showing the audience, the animation style was off. They're like, you know, they, they noticed that all of the characters had hyper realistic animated eyes and just stuff was just really, really weird. Mm-hmm. But everybody was just thinking maybe they're just doing a something different a weird tone for this episode we don't really know where they're going with it so they stuck it out and every so often they would also notice um like there would be a flash like there was a a frame inserted into the animation that didn't match with everything so they would always pause it and like they they would pause it back up to that frame and look at it and they realized that they were seeing murder scenes of children the graphic murder scenes of children that were inserted into the animation. Um, and the, the episode just progressed to the point where I, I didn't finish rereading it the other day to refresh my memory, but like just some super creepy stuff happened. Um, if anybody's interested in reading it, if you go on creepypasta and just search Squidward, you should get the rest of the title. Um, I was telling the guys earlier, it contains one of the forbidden words for our podcast. So I'm not going to, that's why I'm not telling you the title. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the part of it that kind of just stuck with me and why I remember this story, because our friend read us several stories that night. This is the only one I actually remember is because we managed to accidentally still scare the shit out of the two younger cousins because of Drew's sound effects. So he, there was one point in the story, I don't remember where it was, but it talked about like a random scream in the sound effects. And he, so he was standing over Johnny's shoulder reading. So he knew what was coming so he could make his sound effects fall in line as Johnny was reading it. He actually screamed like at the top of his lungs, just shrieked. I think I jumped and fell off the bed did some like all of us just like jumped and kind of like screamed a little bit and of course the two younger ones in the camper not very far away from the one we were in like it was only about 20 feet away hear him scream but they couldn't hear anything else so they're like curled up in their beds wondering what is happening um and i think we still got in trouble because i don't think they slept that night (laughs) So that is my story. Um, so yeah, what do you guys think? Well, go ahead, Meech. What episode of SpongeBob was that? So it's not actually. <laughs> so it's not actually an All episode. It's not actually an episode of SpongeBob. It was basically what it was. Someone made up a story to be kind of creepy. The the ending of it. What they said that they found was that someone had hacked into their servers or done something replaced the actual episode and basically it was like a serial killer had hacked in and and replaced and they like in the middle of the episode had inserted those pictures of their victims which were all children and at one point they put several frames in a row and as you flipped through them, it was them actually like 
in the process of their bad deeds. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Like when you slowed it down and went frame by frame, you could actually see like yes. real murders. Yes. Or uh, on the lives. Yes. Ironically enough, I've heard of this. Um, I, I think that Shane Dawson, I know we don't speak of him because he's like a racist and he's terrible and I get that. But like, I'm pretty sure he covered this in one of his like, stu- like conspiracy, I was going to say stupid conspiracy videos, but um, one of his attempts at being a conspiracy theorist, I believe he mm-hmm. talked about like dark undertones in, te- in animations aimed at children. And I believe he referenced this as if it were true and it actually happened. But I, lo and behold, it was just a creepy pasta. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's written very well. Like it, it's it's written in such a way that as you're reading it, you really do feel like you're watching this episode with them and getting the re- there's like the same reactions that they're so-called like studio audience was getting mm-hmm. um which is part of why when our friend was reading it to us like i said i didn't realize i, I don't think at the time i even knew what creepypasta was mm-hmm. um but at the time i was like i thought it was an actual story and mind you when you if any of you go out and do decide to read this when you hit like the end of it when it does get very dark um, that was around the time when Drew, out of respect for the seriousness of the story, stopped doing his sound effects because he's like it, he felt like uh, it would have been a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, the the way it was presented to me, the way it was told to me, it took me a little while to realize that it wasn't, at the very least, based on something that had actually happened. So if you like some of those dark and more twisted kind of stories. Like I said, it's it's not um, it's not a bad one. It's pretty well written. It's not very long. And I want to just circle back real quick. <clears throat> and I probably should have done this in the beginning, but for any of our listeners that are unfamiliar with what a creepypasta is, I'm going to read you the Wikipedia definition so you can kind of get a frame of reference as to what we're talking about. A creepypasta, creepypastas are a horror-related legend that have has essentially been shared around the internet, quote unquote, maybe gone viral, gotten lots of traction, or sometimes they don't. Um, but creepypastas are a catch-all term for any horror content posted on the internet. The internet entries that make up creepypastas website are often brief, user-generated, paranormal stories intended to scare the readers. So we are talking about fiction, but when we're in the month of October, what better time to read creepypastas? You know what I mean? It kind of goes with the whole theme of the season. And I can definitely, I can also tell you guys the title of another really popular, really famous creepypasta. Um, And I'm not going to tell you any summaries of it, but it was another one that I considered talking about. It's um, Ben Drowned. Have you guys heard of that one? It sounds so familiar. So I have. The artwork that they tend to put up with it tends to be a modified um, image of Link from Ocarina of Time. No shit. And I don't remember the details of the story, but that is another one that I've read a lot, and that is another that that is one that definitely like gives me the heebie-jeebies. So, hmm. okay, if that is your thing. There are definitely some good stories on there. It is not my preference because 
I have a tendency to, when I start reading stories like that, feel like I've got something watching me out of the corner of my eye, and I, I don't like it. Don't See, like it at all. I'm here for it. I mean, obviously, I like it enough to keep doing it. But... <laughs> so, Gordon, what's your thoughts on the creepypasta? I find it interesting. I definitely sounds very familiar as if I've heard it, and I hate to say I probably heard it from Shane Dawson. <clears throat> Which Moving on. No, yeah, I mean, exactly. I know. My thing is, like, it's a whole other episode. I know, because, like, some of the stuff he did was so good, and then some of it was so horrible. But yeah, anyway, moving on. Then he did that to his cat. <laughs> Wait, you want me to read the tweet? Because I have it saved in my phones under favorites. No. <laughs> yes, I do. I really want to hear it. You have to no, I don't think I don't think I have enough sensor beeps for that tweet. No. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So moving on, uh, if we're already, I'll read my uh, spooky quote unquote conspiracy theory. Okay. So, who out of this group has been to, like, family vacations? Yeah. Were national parks ever a part of that itinerary? It's like, for me, Gettysburg. We went to Gettysburg multiple times. Yeah, I've been to um, Red River Gorge out in Kentucky. I've been to, it's really pretty. I highly recommend it. Always wanted to go. Unless you're about to tell me there's a serial killer out there, then I don't recommend it. We'll get um, to that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to, I've been to a couple. I, I've been to a few over in Puerto Rico as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's always something that my family likes to hit up whenever we go somewhere. Gordon, yeah, I know you're from Maine. Um, I am from Maine, and no. Um... <laughs> Because oh, that would require uh, I, direct contact with sunlight. Exactly. I'm not a fan of that. Um, oh, are you another vampire? I'm actually what? I'm a gray, I think is the title I was given. Um, but <laughs> besides the point, that's a callback to our early episode. Mm-hmm. No, it's only episode four. This should be 14. Uh, we'll see. Um, I, I've only been to Gettysburg. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. We I just, just got had roasted. This... I just got roasted in the. For those of you listening, I just got roasted about how we get our episode numbers mixed up, and like you've seen in descriptions of them that like, oh, don't trust Stephen Jay because he gave you the wrong episode number, and we're like, okay, we're gonna make a pact to not do episode numbers anymore, <laughs> and just you know let the chips fall. And what's he do after roasting me? Uses an episode number. Let's make an episode number. <laughs> Sorry, I, ha- I have to. After what I just went through, I have to call him out. <laughs> oh, I. Yeah, I, I know. Makes sense. <laughs> All right, Demetrius. Don't regret anything. Demetrius, have you ever been to a national park? If so, which ones? Um. I don't think I've been to a national park. I've been to amusement parks, but not. Not the same thing at all. Well, you might as well consider it the same thing. It's a tourist. I've been, I've been to Disney World. 
Don't use that voice on this podcast. Oh. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Does that count? It's a uh, national park. Okay, let me just... I'm just moving, moving on. Just, yep, just keep going. Okay, so... I was hoping that one of you had potentially been to the Smoky Mountain National Park because that is the highlight of this, but this is allegedly something that is occurring throughout all national parks in North America, specifically the continental U.S. Okay, so according to – this is from strangeoutdoors.com, so take that for what it's worth. Um, You know, it's not necessary – when it's a website like that, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. Um, according to the data from the t- from 2017, excuse me, according to data from 2017, there were 3,453 reported search and rescue missions and 182 deaths in national parks within the United States. If parties are unable to be located, the missing, like the missing individual, there's no records like that are required to be kept <clears throat> by the National Park Service. So, like, let's say, heaven forbid, I were to go missing at Gettysburg on a ghost hunt because God knows I love them. Whether I am actually like murdered by a crazy person or I, you know, have too many Chardonnays and stumble off into the wilderness and just go missing in general. They're not required after a search and rescue, rescue mission is performed. They're not binded to like keep a ledger of that. So that raises some eyebrows. Well, there's also this man, and I'm going to butcher the spelling of his last name. His name is David. It's P A U L I D E S. Polyads? I can't. Needed to like look up the you know watch an in- interview of him and like have somebody pronounce it and I did not <clears throat> did not have the time, I apologize. But Polyads, so he was an avid um, Bigfoot researcher. He actually founded the center, uh, the North American Bigfoot Search. I guess that would be like an organization. So he like came from that world. And now he's the author of these books and two documentaries that I believe he directed and produced, I don't know about directed, called The Missing 411. And what he does is he like, now he's moved on from Bigfoot in a sense, where he's now documenting people that go missing in these national parks. And what's funny is, is like, you don't hear a lot about this. Like, I mean, everybody right now is probably inundated with the case in God rest her soul, Gabby Petito's case, you know, they were in a van and whatever happened, happened, but they were traveling through national parks. And so now I think that this is a good time to bring up the fact that annually so many people go missing in national parks and there's no record of it. Well, when you really boil this fear theory down, um, I believe that our, our friend Dave that wrote those books, I think he maybe leans to the side that Bigfoot's like out there doing this. I don't know if that's true or not, but based on his history, I don't know if he's trying to connect and build a bridge to that. But upon further research, what I've discovered is there's a lot of people that um, believe in our national park system, we have what's considered 
feral people. And if you're unfamiliar with that term, they're essentially like, like the definition of it is like uncivilized, un, untrained people that could potentially be like cannibalistic. And, you know, you enter their territory, they're going to attack. And it's, it's quite a scary theory because, you know, you think about what we're exposed to on a daily basis. It's very modernized, very civilized. But to think of like somebody that lives in the wilderness um, and is reverted kind of to like, I guess what you could say, a primate state, where if you're in their territory, they're going to kill you. They're, they're going to protect their environment so to speak the the conspiracy in the creepy part is is i guess is this an actual problem because there are people on both sides of the coin that say oh no this is an urban legend and then there's people that say that no there's eyewitness accounts of feral people abducting others from camping trips um for example one of the sources that I used when I was doing this, this research was uh, an, a website called thesmokies.com. The reason I use them is because this does tend to be more prevalent in the Smoky Mountain mountain range, which stretches from Tennessee to North Carolina. Um, they have a documented and published piece um, detailing a boy named Dennis Martin, who at the time was six years old, um, he, this, granted, this was back in 1969, they have a piece basically detailing how he was on a camping trip with his dad, his brothers, some family members, some friends, and um, they flat out say in the article that he was abducted by feral people and never seen again. And there's this TikToker, her, her uh, handle is G-A-R-C-I-O-U-S, Garcias? Again, I'm terrible with pronunciations, but she's brought light to this. She made a very viral TikTok, basically trying to raise awareness that there are feral people in parks abducting, killing, potentially eating people. And when she was pressed about this claim, because it went pretty viral, um, she said that, that she has spoken to, or I'm assuming has reference to, several hundred eyewitness accounts. And she's claimed that she's in the process of working on a documentary to expose this. Now, I was unable to validate those claims, but, you know, she got a lot of criticism when she did this TikTok and it went viral and this is her answers. So my thinking is the national park service, not keeping a registry, this gentleman who was a big, Bigfoot foot activist coming in and now doing this book series. And he's had two documentaries, I believe all under the title missing 411. It raises a lot of questions and it's like, are we dealing with is the media and like the people in charge trying to divert our attention and say, Oh no, it's not actually real. It's an urban legend. Or is this actually something that could happen? It creeps me out. So conspiracy, but spooky as hell, because now I think I'm going to reconsider my family vacations. 
Yeah, so this is, I'm actually really glad that you're talking about this, because this was going to be one of my topics on a conspiracy episode, if we ever, whenever we got around to doing another one, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't done too much research into this yet, but I have heard bits and pieces of it, and I 100% believe that this is a thing. Um. um Oh, sorry. Um, No, I just, there is so much, especially in the national parks and just certain areas of the country, there is so much open land, or not necessarily open land, but um, undeveloped, undeveloped land, big stretches of like just forest or just wild area. It wouldn't be too crazy to think that you know groups of people or individuals could hide out if they know that territory well enough mm-hmm. and the fact that the national parks are not required to keep a record of who goes missing in that particular park i would assume that they would at least need a document with the names and like rough estimates of the last time people were seen Mm-hmm. Like I, it's very questionable to me that they're not required to keep any kind of record. Um. So I, I actually was thinking about when Steve was telling us. My theory for that is, perhaps they're not looking into this. They're not putting time into this because the these people are sacrifices, so that these mm-hmm. cannibals don't try to go after bigger cities, and I say this because I could be wrong, I could be talking about the conspiracy that has been popping up on YouTube about the hundreds of thousands of miles of cave systems that are scattered throughout the United States that people believe are home to a large just civilization of cannibals. Mm-hmm. Um, is that I'm 90, I'm going say maybe Forty percent sure, I should say that. Not too long ago, I heard news of a cannibal group getting found and finally being brought to justice. However, that was. I can't find any news on it, so I might have just been hearing about this TikTok conspiracy, which is not. It didn't originate on TikTok. I don't believe because this theory of people living in the uh, caves. In, or just secret societies living in the caves throughout the Americas has been around for a decent bit of time, and I fully believe that to be true. Mm-hmm. So, it, the bottom line is it's weird. It is weird. And I don't believe in coincidence. Yeah, there's too many, too many things that line up in weird ways. Um, it also kind of goes with, you know, I don't want to speak too much about this because I haven't done the research that I wanted to on it. Um, one of the conspiracy theories that Drew had told me about, um, I'm just going to touch on this briefly because like I said, I I don't remember the specifics at the moment was something about, if I'm not mistaken, um, 
a Native American belief with the the Wendigo mm-hmm. idea. And it, again, I, I, I could be completely off. And if I am, someone please um, leave us a comment or message or something um, and give me more information on this. But one of the ideas was that I don't know if this is like a more modern belief that to become a Wendigo, because there are some, I, I think he was telling me there are some people who try to purposely become Wendigos. You were required to actually perform an act of cannibalism. Mm-hmm. And it's something, something about it was like the act of actually consuming another human being breaks something in your mind. Again, like I'm, I'm just kind of grasping at what few details I remember, but it's just, it's another kind of layer to that that fits in with these stories that everybody is um, researching at the moment. I know I've, I've, <clears throat> I've read a little bit about the whole Wendigo folklore, quote unquote, and it's essentially like the act of cannibalism, just the act of murder in general is like what invokes that spirit or that entity to become mm-hmm. a part of that. Um, it's interesting you bring that up because like in my little list of notes here, I never even considered that to be part of it. But at it's this point, some... we're, we're questioning everything here. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things whenever I hear those stories now after, like I said, after Drew explained like that part of that other conspiracy theory to me, I always connect those now mm-hmm. because just thinking about like all of the native tribes who were originally here in this country if there were even like a feral group of people that have been here for like long long periods of time those native tribes would have known about them so it's like i i do feel like in all of the different um i don't want to use the word mythology but that's the only one I can think of at the moment, but all all of the different um, myths and folklore and stories of all the different people across the world. There are, even if it's some sort of crazy story, there, there are bits of truth in everything. Some, some stories have more than others. So it's like that, that's another reason why I kind of have a tendency to connect those two theories together. I just, I feel like there is something there. And if I can uh, take it a little step further, uh, this is something that I want to try to highlight on my YouTube channel. But and I'm not I'm not trying to minimize this by saying that it is a conspiracy theory. But when you talk about things like the Wendigo, we don't get the media coverage and the media attention that we should on the subject of indigenous women that go mis- missing annually in our country. Yeah. In 2019, according to this is according to secondwavemedia.com, uh, in 2019, more than 5,590 Native American women were reported missing. Murder is the third leading cause of death for them. That raises more questions than answers. If you understand my train of thought, it's murder should not, not that they should be murdered, but you would think that 
okay, crime assumed or crime, you know, they were clearly murdered. No, that's only the third leading cause. So that means that the rest are just like the top two. There's no real answer for, or like, is it unalived? There's just, they're not giving us the full data. Mm-hmm. And that I think goes back to the parks, not keeping like, why are native American women going missing? Why, why does it have ties to different things? And why are the national parks not keeping a record of this? Too many questions and there are answers. Yeah. And it's, there's questions that I think a lot of people don't even realize those questions need to be asked. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, the media has a really good way of directing our attention elsewhere. Um, one of the... <laughs> One of the shows that I just finished watching made a, a little bit of fun, poked a little bit of fun about this. Um, they called in one it. They called this um, "missing white woman syndrome" mm-hmm. because they were talking about it. It's, it's a show about stalkers and murderers and whatnot. Um, nobody cared when one of the other characters had gone missing but when the character who went missing was a white woman all of a sudden all of the media covered it all of the neighbors were wondering what happened to her Mm -hmm. but if it was anyone of color if it was anyone outside of specific groups Mm -hmm. they got maybe a little bit of coverage and then never looked at again and that is an issue because it's like how many cases how many people stories are going untold mm-hmm. because the media is choosing not to cover them for whatever reason ratings yes yep no i agree i agree it's it's and i think that there's something bigger here and it creeps me out and i guess yes maybe i did turn this into a conspiracy theory but the simple fact of anybody being able to go to a national park and be potentially abducted and murdered, cannibalized, whatever the case may be, is horrifying. And it needs to have an answer. And if it's happening specifically more to, to indigenous people or to whatever the case may be, I personally don't care who you are. This needs to be front and center. It just seems like they're burying the lead. They're they're not talking about. They're not addressing it. And there's a reason why. And maybe Gordon, it goes back to what you said. I don't know the answer here, but it's creepy. And we need we need to like maybe this is another episode. Maybe we try to like do a deep dive and like figure out if there's a connection between the indigenous women and the national park services or or something. And I'm going to slowly morph this into my love of true crime. And this podcast is going to be a true crime podcast. I don't know. <laughs> like, it's just, it's, it's disturbing. I would be very interested to see if we can't dig up some statistics, but it's going to be difficult since the parks are not required to keep those records of what, um, what the statistics are for the people who are going missing. Do, is it mostly women? Is it mostly men? Is it, a, like, you, like you said, is it a particular ethnic group? Is it more indigenous people? Is it more something? Is there any kind of pattern to it? 
And is and if we can't get that that data, is the National Park Service withholding that data for that reason? Yeah. Anyway, we've rambled. Michi, do you want to add anything to this before we have to add read? Um, when you guys were talking about like the whole cannibalism thing, mm-hmm. it got me thinking. I remember reading something about. Yeah, I take it as a shock. I read something, but um, there was this explorer who found this island and basically like. There were people living on it and everything, but they were cut out from the actual world. And when the dude came and, like, wanted to research them, the, he they killed him. Mm-hmm. I've they heard about him. what you're talking about. <clears throat> they, they actually killed him with arrows, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do I, know what you're talking about. I cannot remember the name of that. I can't either, but there's actual video of the dude, like, actual video of him getting shot, but actual video from the dude of the people, like, telling the helicopters and everything to go away, because, like, they're separate from the outside world. And, like, when one dude went to try to find out what actually was going on there, they killed him, like, right off the bat. Um, I believe I found it. John Allen Cho... Uh, paid a fisherman to ferry him to North Sentinel Island, home to a 30,000-year-old tribe known to aggressively repel outsiders. The fisherman in the dinghies tried to warn him it's a risky. They they basically, like, killed him with arrows, and that's according to The Guardian, if, if we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. Well, like, he was, like, a researcher, and he was a cinematographer. Like, I think he was trying to catch, like, videos, photos, and research them, and they're an indigenous people, so I hate to use the term feral in regards to them, but in relation to modern society, they would probably fall under that term feral in a sense. But they have a form, like the people in the national parks that they're speculating have no form of like structure or society. They're basically just kind of on their own doing their own thing whereas that's a group of indigenous people that like they just don't want to be disturbed but it's it's scary it's scary to think that there's people that because you know when you think about it it's people you see every day on the street it's not people that have never seen another human in their life besides their Mm -hmm. tribe or the people that live in the same area of the woods It's, it's creepy to think outside of that yeah well, with that being said, we are going to take a quick ad break and we are going to hear from Gordon and he's going to bring it home for us with his uh, segment and we'll see what he has to offer. I'm excited to share. All right, we'll be right back. All right, we're back. All right, Gordon, we want to hear what you have to say because we kind of talked about this a little bit before the episode, like what we were going to be presenting and Lizette. You and I have no idea what he's talking about, right? Yeah, I have no clue. So, so I'm excited. I'm really excited to share this because I'm surprised you guys don't know what it is. I am going to be talking about the SCP Foundation, which in its own right is exactly like creepy pastas, just not as spooky. Um, they're a bit more... Hmm. 
they're a bit more theoretical, hypothetical. Um, I don't know the proper word to use to actively describe. But you, I think you guys will get a better idea. I might be able to help me with that in a in a little bit when I explain a little bit of of what the SCP Foundation is and what it does. Okay. So. SCP stands for Special Containment Procedures, or Secure, Contain, Protect, which is the Foundation's motto. It's a large, large organization uh, specializing in the containment of anomalous uh, creatures or objects to protect mankind and to study them or to create scientific breakthroughs with them. Or use them to exploit them. They pretty much capture these mythical creatures that are straight out of a fairy tale. And either contain them because they're too dangerous. Study them if they're not that dangerous. Or if they're safe to use, they'll use their powers and ex- uh, exploit it. Like every good government foundation would do. Um... The SCP has has different classes for these creatures. There's uh, surpri- a lot more than I remember, as it's been a while since I've looked into the lore of SCPs. But the main three that you guys really need to worry about are safe, um, elucid, and cater. Safe are... Just anomalies that are easily contained. You can walk up to them, hug them, touch them, be buddies with them. You will not have any harm done to you or anyone else. Elucid, that's where it it takes a bit more to contain these said creatures. They might cause you bodily, physical, mental harm. Much like a nine to five, um, <laughs> it, it just it doesn't fall really into a, the safe category. It's a bit more on the dangerous side. You want to watch your step. You need higher clearance to uh, actively observe and interact with these. And then there's um, there's the cater, which are the anomalies that are exceedingly difficult to contain or reliable. So even if you can't contain it, you could go back the next day and it could be gone because magic. Uh, We'll get into the why a little bit later when I start describing some of these SCPs. But these are the SCPs that will actively murder, harm, or do something to... It could be... They could topple the government kind of threats or they could cause mass genocide, which they're, which those have their own um, special name, but those are the three that you really need to pay attention to. Is, does that make sense to you guys? Yep. Wait, are we, oh wait, I have to get a little clarification here, and maybe are we That's talking, fair. are you more on the creepypasta side of the fiction or are you more on my side where it could be real? Um. This is... I'll go back and explain a little bit more on that then. Just 
These are stories that are completely made up by anyone and everyone. I could make one. You guys could go up and oh. make one. But they all, and you really have to take, put it on yourself whether you want to believe the lore or not. Because there's really no lore or anything. But they all, all the SCPs coincide with each other and cross different paths through different stories, through hundreds of thousands of different authors. And most of the ones on the website that I'm using, the official website. Is it the wiki dot? No. Um, yes. Because <laughs> when I looked them, when I Googled them and they had a Creative Commons license, I was like, okay, so this has to be mostly fiction. Like, Yes, it is mostly okay. fiction. <laughs> okay, all right. But it's, there's still <laughs> some really creepy ones in here that um, I don't remember their exact numbers. And my plan was to have you guys pick a number between 1 and 6,999. And we discuss that SCP. Okay, I can do so that. We, yes, Steve, mm-hmm. please pick a number between one and not six thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. Sixty-nine. <laughs> okay. Oh, this will be good. I mean, you put the idea in my head with the six thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. Let me find it. Here we go. SCP zero six nine second chance. So this is object class safe, so it will it's easy to contain and it will not cause immediate harm. Yeah, you just have to shower it beforehand. <laughs> exactly, and clean up after you're done. Um, so SCP, I guess I should... Item is SCP-069, object class is safe and special containment procedures. 069 is currently impersonating former Foundation agent Redacted and is housed at Humanoid Containment Site 06-3 as SCP-069 is currently on on the live watch. All requests it makes must be approved by no fewer than two level 3 personnel. So it's yeah. like an alien that can that has taken the shape of someone else. I'm almost to that part. Sorry. Sorry. If zero six nine attempts to breach containment, it must be subdued using non-lethal methods. If zero six nine dies, undercover agents are to be instructed to monitor reports of incidents in which individuals appear to have escaped certain death. And 069 is to be recontained as soon as possible. Okay. The, descri- the description, unless you have words on what that was. <laughs> it's giving Mystique from X-Men vibes. Yes, that okay. seems to be the case. I haven't read this one yet, so I, I usually jump around the random ones because it's more fun to uh, just get a broad spectrum. So the description of SCP-069 is a presumed humanoid entity of variable appearance and gender. Though an unknown ability, whenever 069 is left alone with a recently deceased human body, the body will disappear and 069 will take on the appearance, mannerisms, 
and knowledge of the recently dead individual. Through extensive experimentation, it has been shown that 069 is completely indistinguishable from the individual it impersonates, matching the original individual's fingerprints, DNA, and data expunged with nearly perfect precision. 069 retains no knowledge of its abilities or former impersonations. 069 responds normally to injury or pain, but if killed, will rapidly decay into dust regardless of any preservation attempts. 069 will then reemerge at the site of the most recent human death. There is no known maximum range to this effect and so far has been observed in jumps of up to 672 kilometers. Wow. So, like, I could be 069 right now. Well, okay, wait. I have a, I have a hanger, though, because they said knowledge. They didn't say memories. So, like, I could be 069, and the only one that would know would probably be Lizette, because you could recall memories and be like, remember... They, oh, when they say knowledge, they mean they gain everything that you oh. know. But like, so, so memories are included in that. They are completely indistinguishable Damn. to anyone who is not actively looking for said SCP. I was gonna say, like, why is that? I could be like, you could be like, remember we got our shit rocked by that wave in Ocean City, and like, I was hoping that zero six nine would remember <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> huh. I okay. like this. This is actually giving me. Um... The, this whole idea is giving me some vibes from a sci-fi show I used to watch. And I actually just Googled real quick to see when the SCP site went up. And it was actually right around, if, if the date I got was correct, was right around when this show would have been being put into production. So did any of you guys ever watch Warehouse 13 on the sci-fi channel? No. Wait, is that the one with Sally Richardson Whitfield? Um, wait, um, Warehouse, Warehouse Thirteen. Because, like, did, was she like? A, was there like a like a, a Native American woman that was like a government agent? Um, it was government agents, but I don't remember a Native American woman. You said Warehouse Thirteen. Yeah, hang on, I might be. If it was a side character or if I wasn't aware. Okay, no, I'm thinking of a different show. I apologize. I have okay. not seen Warehouse 13. You, I think you guys would enjoy it. It's, a, I mean, like, it's a little goofy. It's a little, um, I don't want to say corny, but it, it was a sci-fi channel original show. So take that as you will. It was fun at the time. I don't know how it's aged because it was a while ago. Um, but yeah, it's just the, the whole idea of there being, um, all the secret stuff that you have to kind of keep contained. It's very reminiscent of the premise of the show. I'll have to give that a watch. Yeah. I added it to my IMDb watch list. The show I was thinking of was Eureka. Oh, oh yes. That was another, that was another good one. If okay. you like, oh, if, okay. if you liked Eureka, you would like Warehouse Thirteen because the plot line, kind of like when you said that, I was like, wait, that sounds similar. So maybe they had crossover episodes. No shit. Yeah, they did crossovers. Claudia from Warehouse Thirteen went to Eureka for an episode, and I believe it was 
Fargo from Eureka went to Warehouse 13. They were running at the same time. So they, they did that. do crossover episodes. That was like when Sci-Fi Channel was good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the lady I mentioned, by the way, just as a quick plug, was the lead voice actress in Disney's Gargoyles, the show that I have to bring up every podcast for you guys to watch. Um, anyway, uh, Lizette, why don't you pick a number? <laughs> um, let's do 3,051. 3051. Solid number. SCP 3051. Interactive time loop. You picked a good one there. Oh, okay. So, this is a new format. Sorry, I um, haven't seen it. So, this is level two restricted. Containment class is safe. Uh, distribution class is val- uh, VLAM, which I didn't cover. And risk class is caution. Um, Sounds like me on a Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> so the special containment procedures. As a fully functional foundation site, SCP-3051 is capable of self-containment. 3051 has constantly manned roadblocks, watchtowers, and surveillance cameras, which remain, for the most part, active during Incident 3051-86. A lot of incidences. Outside of 3000... That's a lot of incidences. Incidents. Sorry, go yeah, on. Same go thing. On. Outside go of SCP's 3051 area of effect, there's a network of motion-sensitive cameras intended to capture civilians attempting to enter site during 3051's deactivation, deactivated period. A series of radios and television transmission, eh, transmitters positioned outside 3051's area are set to constantly broadcast duplicate signals of those originally sent from 16-12-1980 to 22-12-1980 into SCP's 3051. At the beginning of each loop, Dr. Frost must manually connect the server uh, served telephone network to computer, which will send an automatic error message when the phones at site 86D are used. Yeah. It's a lot of big words here. I'm not used to that. Um, I'm proud of you for picking a topic that requires you to read a lot, though. Oh, thanks. Um, so, description. Uh, SCP-3051 is the ruins of site 86D. In the surrounding area, in what in the three-kilometer radius, I-86D, bless you, Sorry. was a newly okay. instituted residential site containing safe-to-elusive-level temporal anom- anomalies. It had a total staff count of 467, with 466 present at the time of the incident. Huh. Every seventh day, a localized temporal distortion takes place within SCP-3051. The distortion returns 
SCP-3051 to 6.12 p.m. Tuesday, 12, 16-12-1980, in Operational Site 8060, containing SCPs and staff will replace the ruins. This replacement also restores SCPs 3051s surrounding terrain, forest, and wildlife to their state in 1980. Only objects which are present during the original incident will be replicated, leaving Dr. Richard Faust as the only staff member to not be recreated as an SCP-3051-1 instance. The distortion will terminate after 6 days and 12 hours, when incident 3051-86 concludes at 6.12 a.m. Sunday, 22-12-1980, and the area will be returned to its dilapidated state. This is followed by a 12-hour long inactive period before the loop restarts. Hmm. Wow. I'm going to cut that there as yeah. a much longer thing than just that. As I say, it sounds like there's a lot of lore there. Oh, there is a good, probably another five or ten minutes of reading with my current reading <laughs> level. Somebody needs to pick this up for a show, though. Like, I mean, I would watch this, I think. Yeah. That's, this is my side hustle. I just haven't told you guys about it yet. But, like, I mean, imagine, like, get, like, get somebody to, like, go in, like, like do it, like, half live action, half animation. And, like... I don't know. I, I think this could be a really interesting show. Sci-Fi Network, I know you like have no money, but like maybe do yeah. this. Um, they might would, get I think that'd be again. Awesome. They might. I want, I want the glory days back. I, you know what? Like, there were so many shows running for, like, they all overlap for, I think, like two or three years. They were all really good. And then they started ending. And then the yeah. whole cha- and then just the whole channel went downhill. You know, I would love to speak to whoever was running the budget at that time because I feel like what happened is they were like riding on like a wave of like advertising deals, and they uh-huh. just were like, "Well, we're just gonna." Sh- I don't think that's an appropriate term that I was just about to say. We're just going to um, throw all of our hats into the ring. That's a better way of saying that. Um, all at once, and then they ended up with like everything ending at once because there. I think there was no money. Why well, I, I know one of the things that happened because um, one of the series that my mom and I were very big on following was um, their Stargate shows. Mm-hmm. So they did three different ones. There was Stargate SG One, which is the one that it started off with, then Star Stargate Atlantis. Mm-hmm. So those two were really good. And then the third one was Stargate Universe. And what happened in those with those shows, I think might be what happened with the entire channel. And I could be wrong. Um, I definitely think that what you're talking about was probably going on behind the scenes, but like actually writing wise and what they were putting on screen for Stargate, especially when they got to that third show, when they got to Universe, they were trying to make it more relatable mm-hmm. to like what was currently in or what was currently like hot topics and they were trying to rather than keep building on the fan base that they already had they were trying to appeal to everybody 
Mm-hmm. And in doing that, they lost the fan base they had, but they also did not appeal to everyone. And that's why Universe only ran for two, maybe three seasons, mm-hmm. where SG-1 got ten, Atlantis got five. Yeah. And it's like the idea of the show was good, but their execution of it was just not true to the heart of what they had originally been doing that people actually liked. And I just, I feel like that's what happened with a lot of their shows. Cause like once um, Eureka and warehouse 13 ran a little bit longer than the Stargate shows did. And then once those ended, there was maybe one or two other sanctuary and there was at least one more we watched because there, there was a solid two or three years where whenever I would walk in the house, we had Sci-Fi Channel playing. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it just went to the point where my mom and I talked about it. We're like, we just have no interest in watching what they're putting out because like the acting's not good. The story, the writing's not good. The cinematography is not the best. I like just all the way around. It's like everything. It was never, it was never Oscar worthy to begin with. Mm-hmm. But it was still good. Yeah, it was passable. Yeah, because you knew what you were getting, and you were supporting. I always felt like I was supporting like the underdog or whatever. Yeah, and then they would end up with some. They had some very good actors who just didn't really do much else. Mm-hmm. Who um, one of our favorites was Michael Shanks who had a lot of really good variety in his acting when he was given the right script when he was given the right script. And when, because there was one um, episode where I remember his character was basically like, I don't want to say possessed, but he had like 20 some different personnel, 20 some different people downloaded into him. And he got to act out, I think like six or seven different ones. Each one was distinct from each other. And like, it felt natural. It didn't feel like you were watching someone act. Yeah. So like they had good actors. So I, I, I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to do another, re, uh, another episode and kind of see if we can figure out what happened with all we of that. Do, could we do an, like, Oh, maybe we should do it as a YouTube video, like the rise and fall of the sci-fi channel. Okay. You and I will start planning that. Cause I, I feel like we're, that. yes. Cause I feel like we're hijacking Gordon's topic and I I'm do sorry. apologize. I apologize. You were I thought to ask you, you guys forget we're recording. Is this in the no, no, meeting? no? Leave this in. Like that's how it. You know, creative processes work. How they work. You inspired yeah. the idea, honestly, Gordon. Yeah. I, yay. Um, <laughs> and I'll go over my last um, SCP. It's definitely not the last. This is. I'll go over mine relatively fast. This is the um, version of the SCP that I like to believe is true. Granted, this is SCP-001. Okay. Like the origin. There, yes, this is the first one discovered, okay. essentially. And this... I liked, I'd like to believe this version of the one I found. It's Jonathan Bell's proposal. There are at least over 20 different... Um, ideas of SCP-001 and how it it originated. But this is the one I like because it kind of sets up, for me, 
the rest of the SCPs and just get in my head it gives me more lore than if I were to just listen to the other ones so to begin it's item number SCP-001 object class cater special containment procedures to date no adequate containment procedure has been developed to deal with the possible posed threat by SCP-001. This is due in part to the controversial nature of the item and debates concerning the necessity of its containment. This controversy is reflected in the item's changing object class and the procedures utilized in its containment. The current administration, despite charges of paranoia, has classed the object as cater. While requesting permission for a higher object class to be created and applied uniquely to this item, considering it to be the most dangerous of all known possible items. The reason for this classification and the changing attitudes toward 001 are dealt with in the descriptions and notes. At present, it is located in a code-locked briefcase made of high tensile reinforced polymer. The room and briefcase are monitored at all times. The briefcase cannot be opened without all current O5 officers. The briefcase itself was thrown into a small, fully lit, single-room off-site building erected in redacted. Um, the description of this of SCP-001 it is a simple sheath of paper stapled together in the top left corner. The top sheet is a covering sheet reading simply confidential report on special items classified. The number of subsequent papers stapled to this covering sheet is undetermined. Or undetermined? It don't, Just... it, yes, wrong. I was trying to say two words at the same time. It and was beautiful, it was beautiful from, word. Thank you. And <laughs> the number of pages have ranged anywhere from 3 to 30. The report is unsigned and the origin is unknown. Undetermined. <laughs> the first appearance of this report was on Redacted when it appeared on the desk of Redacted. Deceased, the report of the, at the time described the living room SCP-002 shortly after reading the report with incredulity that's not how you pronounce that either Redacted was contacted by phone regarding said item the next time Redacted pursued 001 it described not the living room but the biological motherboard SCP-003 Redacted immediately closed 001 thinking it was a different report and searched for the original of 002 not finding it he opened up 001 again and this time found the 12 rusty keys and doors SCP-004 described instead what uh, SCP-001 is and why I accept it as as this version being the original is that it describes in incredible detail what all the other SCPs are and 
what class they would be, um, what and how big of a threat they'll be, and give the SCP Foundation a way to track all the other SCPs. And the more they look at this paper, the more they the more SCPs come viable or become active, so to speak. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So it kind of creates in itself the, the, more SCPs. In the universe. Exactly. Like, it's like kind of the or yeah. Origin? Um, yeah, it's like the origin of all SCPs. And that's why I like to accept it as the first SCP, at least this version of the first SCP. Where there are multiple versions, and maybe we can do another episode just going over more of these. Mm. But I think those three are good to get anyone who hasn't looked into this yet interested in this topic. It piqued my interest, because I think that there is, like, definitely, like, a story here, and, like, I'm, I'm shocked that we haven't heard about it. I feel like this is something that should have gotten picked up, and, like been a movie or a series of movies or a TV show or something like <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> I'm sorry I just um, I was going to share some names of uh, SCPs in the 3000s and one of them is hi I'm your Snapple Janitor <laughs> I don't even know how to say this word it's, I think it's Snapple Ganger <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay well, uh, perpetual motion run amok. Um, this Q equal sign is number three thousand twenty-two. Hooked on a feeling is three thousand twenty-two. The Doc's ghost is three thousand twenty-four. Take on me is three thousand twenty-eight. <laughs> Sketchy clown hunter, extra I said that wrong too. Extraordinaire. Thank you, 3036. I'm just going to stop talking because I can't say any of these words right. <laughs> I think that by I and think... large, we get the top, like the gist of what you're presenting. Yeah. And it's not as popular as Creepypasta, I'm assuming. So I think it's it would be good for the listeners to go and check that out. Yeah, it's creepy it's... season, baby. Go, go get creeped out. And it's definitely something different. Like the creepy pastas all kind of have the same Ugh, undertones. And... Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the same tone to them. But like these, this is something a little bit more sci-fi. To and me. it kind of feels like it has its own universe built in. Yeah, which is like unique. Creepy pasta yeah. doesn't really have that. No. So like I'm, I'm intrigued. I will be looking more into these just for my own entertainment. I'm going to probably do like the random number thing just on my yeah. own accord and just be like, what stupid number can I come up with something that's like interesting? Yeah. Random number generator 1 through 6,999. Yeah. Demetrius, are you still awake? Are you still with us? Yeah. Granted, Lizette is a woman of color, but was this a lot of white people shit or like, <laughs> 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 where are you at on your level of putting up with us tonight? Well, <laughs> talking about scp i didn't know what it was until it hit me and i'm kind of upset and ticked that he kind of skipped over me for it but do you want to do a number 173 oh he had it ready oh 
I'm sorry to meet you. We I weren't really actively thought you, participating. I thought you were over it. I'm sorry. <laughs> so SCP-173, the sculptor, the original. Oh, of course he picks this one. Okay, like three sentences or less. Read it. Sorry. <laughs> Read it. This is... <laughs> And now I gotta pull it up so I can be reading it while Gordon's taking his time deciding. Can you drop me a link? SCP I'm too lazy. Uh, I got you. Sorry, SCP-173. Alicia Clash. Oh, I'm just... I'm upset that I didn't think of this one myself, too, because this is definitely the one people know about. Oh, Item SCP-173 is to be kept in a locked container at all times. When personnel must enter 173's container, no fewer than three may enter at a time, and the door is to be relocked behind them. At all times, two persons must maintain direct eye contact with 173 until all personnel have vacated and relocked the container. Description. Move to sites 19 in 1993. Origin is, as of yet, unknown. It is constructed from concrete and rebar with traces of Krylon band spray paint. SCP, probably not how you say that at all, but SCP-173 is animate and extremely hostile. The object cannot move while within direct line of sight. Line of sight must not be broken at any time with 173. Personnel assigned to enter container are instructed to alert one another before blinking. Object is reported to attack by snapping the neck at the base of the skull or strangulation. In the event of an attack, personnel are to observe class 4 hazardous object containment procedure. Personnel report sounds of scraping stone originating from within the container when no one is present inside. This is considered normal, and any change in this behavior should be reported to the acting HMCL supervisor on duty. The reddish-brown substance on the floor is a combination of feces and blood. Origin of these materials is unknown. The enclosure must be cleaned on a bi-weekly basis. Um, okay, so for you, for the audience listening, I want you to Google, like pause this, go back, Google SCP-173, because this is what's happening in our, our chat for like production of this show. I have another just, one for you. Hang on. It I gets just want worse. you to Google this. This, this is, when this, people think of SCPs, this is who they should think of, because this is like the most popular one of them all. And the thing is, is this image is so cursed. You know what oh, I mean? That's gets... an overused term. Oh, God. Um, Please, so... audio listeners, Google it. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i sorry to put that on you, but, like, Google it because it's, it's, it's decrepit. So, oh. there's some more information here. It's called the creator information. I, I, oh, God. I'm um, scared. This... Sculpture okay. and it's, okay. So, the image used in SCP... 173 article is an art piece untitled 2004 photograph was taken by I'm so sorry to anyone who is 
Izumi a resident Kato. in is I was gonna say is um a resident in that side of the world. I'm gonna butcher these names, but Azumi Kato, the photograph was taken by Kasuki Yamamoto. Yamamoto, thank you, Steve. All rights reserved by the artist. Uh, note of caution, SCP-173 is a secondary use of the image. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, do not contact or negotiate with... Azuki Koto. Thank you. About Azu- I'm sorry, Izumi. Izumi Koto. Izumi Kato about anything related to SCP-173. Do not negotiate. Do not ask the SCP wiki to handle this one might be real, guys. This might be what's taking all those. Why? Why are there so many? Park. Why are there so many disclosures? Because this isn't like a part of the SCP for viewers, um, listening. This is genuine information about someone who genuinely made this art. So, this must have gotten like his art must have gotten attached to like another project or like. YouTube there's like a video on YouTube or something because he like he sent them notices to get this put in there. Oh so looking at the picture up on top of the SCP wiki dot site, it is a real photograph of the creature you see in the first picture there, Steve. Um it's a sculpture inside a room. I'm assuming that uh don't let me butcher this name. Izumi uh, probably made said. Um, and he probably made the structure, sure. and Kazuki photographed it. That's what exactly. you're saying. And, and it probably got spread around, and they're trying to like make sure they don't get like. This is widely accepted. You now that you know what this is from, you'll you'll probably never see it again now. But I see this creature all over the place in memes and other scary stories so this could be the reason why he doesn't want any negotiation or anything because he does because it's obviously has to be a free to already free to use image or for audio listeners that google scp 173 14th image down on google image results <laughs> What the hell is even going on? <laughs> which wait, which one are you? It's the one with his little butt out and the stars around it. <laughs> what the um, hell is this? Scroll down further and you'll see somebody like hugging the actual statue from the back. Just to, like scroll down a couple more rows. I can drop it in the chat if you want. But... Like hugging it from the back. I don't even. Oh God. Do you see it? Oh. Think and it's not a person. It's like a messed up other monster, right? No, no. Oh, well, oh no. Oh, right below that. No, it's a. Oh, maybe, I see it. Wait, is that is that um, is that him? Maybe. I don't know. Let, let me let me like go into it. No, you mean yeah. It's, I just... It doesn't say. It's just on a like. A are we gonna get? Are we gonna get a strike for talking about this? I mean, I we, well, we so. can't. We just can't show any of the artwork in the video. Though. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaving this in because like people have to know that this is how this works. So we can't. We just can't put any of the artwork in the video. Um, the art, the artwork goes back to knowyourmeme.com, um, and it's just. I'm assuming it's probably either the 
creator of the artwork or someone or a person who took the picture of the original one. Okay. I had to guess, but it's I cannot see for sure. Yeah, because there's not really any information about it. Well, yeah, Iz- just... Izumi, uh, we respect your art, and um, I want to just go on record saying that now. We respect your art, and we think you're an innovator. Yes, and thank you for giving us this creature that I've never actually paid attention to where it originated from until I read SCPs. And Kazuki, we, we respect your cinematography and uh, photography. I said that word really weird. Um, <laughs> I like, think I'm still waiting for the weird words. I just don't good. want. I just don't want a lawsuit. We love you guys, and we stand you on this podcast. So come on, and we can have an interview because we love you. I'm pretty sure it even says. I think that's one of the uh, do not contact. Well, no, they said they could come on. Like they have to contact us. Uh, if they ever want to do an interview in the states, Gordon, just let me handle this. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, so Michi, way to like really upend the podcast. Like, look at you. You like, you are a part of it, and then you just kind of throw the whole thing into a tailspin at the end. You're like that TikTok trend. Am I the drama? Like, maybe <laughs> you are the drama. Did he fall asleep? It's a good. It's a good thing. It's like you gave us like another like ten minutes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No. Like we've we've missed having you on. It's good to have your little entertainer self on with us since we did talk about. You're kind of like the Loki of this podcast. He called me later. What? What? You called little. Little or little. Wait, who who called you little? Oh, I said the, I said the you're like the little entertainer. Okay, okay yeah, yeah. You, you're but, six foot three. We yeah, I was gonna say okay. yes. You are the tallest one of all of us. I apologize. God forbid, diva. He appears on two episodes and he has like a diva attitude. I can't. So look, I'm vertically challenged. I have a tendency to try and refer to everybody else as little to make myself feel better. Okay. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm like relatively tall, and the fact that you're taller than me, I will also refer to you as little to try to make myself feel better because it's a coping mechanism. Yeah. You have to speak now because this is what they call dead air. And this is like your one job. You know, at the end of the show, you have to kind of like, like, thanks for having me on, guy. Like, you know, that whole thing. Oh, yeah. Well, appreciate it. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, we're leaving. We're leaving all of this in. Uh, Thank you to everyone for listening to Demetrius's like first, maybe no, no, first, second. This is probably his third appearance. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Third, third, and last. Um, (laughs) Maybe we'll see you at the New Year's Eve special. No, I'm just kidding. Does this stress you out, honestly? Like, this is, like, the time for you to be real, and it's going to be published. We're breaking the fourth wall, but does it stress you out being on here? No, not really. Well, why don't you want to contribute? Because sometimes the topics you guys talk about... Okay. Is... No. It's, it's weird for you. Yeah, because I don't like with the whole Harry Potter and everything. And Michi, we haven't even recorded the Harry Potter one, bud. Either way, like, there's Harry Potter, there's 
Star Wars, there's all that. Star Wars, Star Trek, same thing. Oh, well. <gasps> okay, no, no. I'm protecting <laughs> the Discord actively. No, 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 no. Okay, all right. Here's my thing, though. If I if I make this invitation to you, I don't feel like you will actually follow through with it. I was going to say, why don't we do an episode? And it wouldn't be like, I wouldn't put the whole pressure on you as kicking it off. But why don't we do an episode that you and I work together, where we have Gordon Lizette, maybe some, like maybe Bob and well, you don't, you haven't been on when they've been on, so maybe that'd be uncomfortable because you don't really know them, but they're good friends of mine. Why don't we, you and I, work on an episode where it's from start to finish, it's all things that you want to talk about. Well, and I don't know what to talk about. I got short-term memory loss. You can't keep using that as an excuse, Nancy. Yeah. We're going to start an intervention here soon. I know. We're going to have to start giving you flashcards, bud. I don't even remember where the flashcards were. Well, <laughs> maybe we should go back to scripting these so maybe he can pay attention. I mean, maybe that is what we should do. Maybe we could like provide you with a scripted segment or something that you could be a part of it where you. I don't know. It didn't have to be a part of the discourse. Like, you could maybe. Like when you were on, you like did your like good news at the end of the segment. Maybe you could do us a, a segment. Wow, that was so bad English. Such bad English. It was even worse. Such bad English. Maybe you could do a, a segment that's pre-recorded and added in, where it's like you know Demetrius is like good news for the week or something like that, where it's pre-recorded, less stress, and maybe not you know the stuff that you're not interested in. Yeah, because I mean, even when we did the multi-topic and you did your food from around the states and everything, I felt like that was really cool. Like we all enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think you got to show off your personality, and that's mm-hmm. the whole thing here, Demetrius. Is like you have such a wonderful personality when we're in person, and like as this podcast grows, I want you to be a part of it knock on wood say our prayers that it gets successful I want you to be a part of this because you were kind of on the ground floor you were there the first night the idea came up so however we I would like to cater that to you a little bit and like maybe it's a pre-recorded segment like after commercial breaks we could have like a word from Demetrius or something I mean it's it's possible well, we'll work on that, and we'll see if we can come up with something. Because yeah, my stress of breaking the fourth wall this much is already eating me alive. So so we'll call it here for the night, because I, I think we think, all need sleep, too. I agree, and I think that this was good, though, because it shows that we're real, and it's like, you, you know, the behind the scenes of, like, making a podcast work among friends. I like that. I think it's very natural to have that. Um, but yeah, we all need sleep, and we're recording a few episodes this week that I'm really excited about so with that being said I want to thank everybody for listening I want to thank Gordon I want to thank Lizette I want to thank Michi you guys are wonderful co-hosts I want to thank Anchor for sponsoring this podcast because without you this would not be possible Um, if you enjoyed what you saw today listen to today please like uh, leave a review rate, get a five-star rating, 
give us a review. That helps tremendously in the podcast analytics world. If you're more of a YouTube person, please look up our channel, subscribe. That always helps. Uh, click the bell for notifications for new episodes. Check um, out our beacon in the description. We do have a new link for to try to make it easier for everyone to access different things. We have we're now with Beacon, so you can see all of our social media stuff. Um, we appreciate it. We are trying to build a community. We want to create an environment. We're talking about this stuff is open for everybody, and from the bottom of our hearts, we can't thank you enough for listening. And Hopefully we'll see you maybe on the, the Discord server where we play trivia and have good banter and you can't go wrong with that. Everyone needs more friends and in life we like to be nerdy and we hope you want to be nerdy with us and we will see you in the next episode. Let's Be Nerds is hosted and executive produced by Gordon Bryant and me, Stephen J. McLean. Let's Be Nerds is a production of Speakeasley Productions. Our social media manager is Kylie Gregg. Our managing producer and co-host is Lizette Ayala. To keep up with the latest on Let's Be Nerds, join our Discord server linked in the description box below. Follow us on Instagram at Let's Be Nerds Pod or find us on Twitter at Let's the Letter B Nerds. Mm-hmm.